0: Well, it's during the month of November. Um, my hopes uh, for this church is that you are encouraged to grow in your faith. Okay, because it's, it's fall. It seems like everything dies in the fall, right? The leaves are changing colors. and say, oh, it's so beautiful. But what's the, the leaves are dying. That's why they're changing colors. But it's like that growth will always relate to spring and the freshness and the new green and everything, Right. So it's sort of odd in November we're talking about growth, right? But as a Christian, we always need to be growing. And so I guess my prayer during this month is incredible, extreme, outrageous growth for our church. I read these words from uh, 1 Peter 2, 1-2. to It says this, So put away all malice, put away all deceit, all hypocrisy, And envy and all slander, and like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up to salvation. So, in this scripture, Peter was encouraging us to put off one thing and to put on a new thing. Now, think of this as a child, okay? When you grow up, you let go of the things you once held on to as a child, whether it's a pacifier, a blankie, a special toy. You let go of it as you grew older, unless you were my third grade teacher. Okay? We actually had a third grade teacher that she had a pacifier at the front of her uh, room on the chalkboard so that if she caught anybody sucking their thumb or talking when they shouldn't be talking, she would take that pacifier off the chalkboard and take it to your seat and put it in there. She probably wouldn't make it in today's education, but... Mrs. Stickle, I will never forget. So, But as you grow older, you no longer sit in the car seat that's you know buckled into the back seat. You no longer sit in the high chair. You no longer sit in that booster seat. As you grow older, you put away those things. You don't have to have anybody comb your hair anymore. You comb your hair, right? You brush your own teeth. Every year in school, you advance to the next grade. At least we hope so, right? There's a maturing and a growing process. So you put off the things that you did as a child, and you put on the new things as you then advance and grow and mature. A new shoe fits better than an old one, right? Men, how many of you are still wearing that shirt that you think fit back in junior high? Ladies, how many of you are saying, I keep trying to get rid of it, but he keeps finding it? Guys, it's time to graduate. It's time to move on, okay? We're impressed that you can still sort of fit into that shirt. But it's old. Put it away. Put on the new. Okay? I will help you if you need. A new class of education challenges you to learn more. A new respectful attitude towards adults and towards other people. As you grow, there's always a growth process. There are rites of passages that are achieved. Before, you couldn't vote. You couldn't drive. But now, that rite of passage to get your driver's license. Oh, that right of opportunity and, and to vote. These are new things that come along as you grow older. And it's exciting. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 14 to 15 says this. So that we may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every kind of doctrine. By human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love... We are to grow up in every way towards the head who is Christ. Peter in that first passage and Paul in this passage, both of them are saying, listen, we are going to live differently in this world. It's time to grow up. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we begin in a state of spiritual infancy, don't we? It's like we, we ask Jesus to come in our life and we're, like, we're just like, I don't know what it means to be a Christian. Am I allowed to say that word or not? Can I go to this place or not? Or or how do I do this? And and was I supposed to stand or was I supposed to sit down in that moment? I I don't know. I'm, I'm a new Christian, right? You're learning. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we grow up. We mature. Now, I mentioned this in my email this week. Now, I'll recap and some of you don't get that email, but... In our closet, back in the, our previous home, not the one we're in now, but the one where we, where the kids were growing up, we would always open up that closet door in the food pantry and line the boys up and get the yardstick and mark it and put a line right across the top of their head, and then we would measure it and write that date and how many inches. We'd wait a month or two, you know, and to the boys like, measure me again. I want to see how much I've grown. Stand back in the closet, marking it off, and we're like, wow, you... Back when Clay or Carter, you know, we would compare them. You're growing quicker than... You know, and it was so fun to watch them grow. And when we moved, and some of you might have had a hard time doing this, I have to paint over those marks. Or I'm moving and maybe you take a picture of those marks because it represented such incredible growth with your own children. It was exciting to see, right? Wouldn't it be fun if we were able to do that spiritually? We can't, though, can we? We recognize, though, maybe in a different way people are growing. We look around and we say, well, maybe by how we praise God, we can see growth, or maybe by how we pray, or give, or serve. These are different ways in which I believe we can use as tools of measurement, if you want to have a tool of measurement, a way of putting that pencil marking on the wall. But I think in those manners, we might be able to step back and say, am I really growing as a Christian? So church, just do me a favor right now. Just ask yourself, okay? If you were to measure yourself, are you praising God more today than you did a year ago? Are you praying more than you did a month ago? Are you giving more than you have in the past? Are you serving more than you have in the past? There's there's many ways maybe we can say, am I growing? But during this month, those were the ones we were focusing on. Our praise, our prayers, our giving, our serving. As I grow, I know I'm often challenged more and more. A lot of times I'm reading, and as I read God's word, am I reading more? And I hit things, or things hit me, and then it's like, boom. I just know that's a moment where I'm getting stretched. Okay? And I'm going to tell you something. Just like a child who goes through growth spurts, and my knees ache, and there's body pains for growth, I think as a Christian, sometimes there's painful moments in which I get stretched, and it causes me to grow. Now, this wasn't a painful thing, but there was a question that was posed to me, and it's somewhat haunted me, but yet it's truly inspired me. And it's been hitting me over this past month, so I've kept this question in front of me. Because this is what compels me to do what I do in the ministry with the church and with FCA. This is what compels me to want to share my faith. This is what compels me to want to see other people know who Jesus Christ is. Here's the question that was posed to me and I'm going to pose it to you and this is what the question is. What is more important than winning souls for Jesus Christ? What is more important than winning souls for Jesus Christ? We know there's a heaven and we know there's a hell. And we know that for eternity we're going to spend our eternity in one of those two places. We don't get to choose when we die. We get to choose now. And after you die it's too late to make that decision. Where is your eternity going to be spent? And you can't sit there and say, well, when I get older, when I get in my 70s or 80s, I'll make that decision. We have no guarantee of today or tomorrow. We don't. And then I look at this question. What's more important than saving souls for Jesus Christ? What's more important than Than me helping you know that there's a heaven and that God loves you and He wants you there in His presence. What's more important than that? Is your title more important than that? Your bank account? Your family? Your job? Your spouse? Your belongings? What is more important than saving souls? Pleasure, which lasts for a season, power, which quickly diminishes. What's more important than saving souls? Turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, please. First book in the New Testament, the book of Matthew. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll bring one to you. We've got plenty on the back table. Book of Matthew, chapter 6. <clears throat> Matthew, chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 19. And Jesus You got one of those Bibles, got red letters, black letters. These are all red letters. These these come right from the lips of Jesus Christ. He says this Don't store up treasures here on earth where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where they'll never become moth eaten or rusty, where they'll be safe from thieves. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart is. And thoughts will also be. Think about this. What you treasure most is probably what you think about the most. What you treasure most is where your, your heart and your passions go after and your focus goes after. And Jesus says, that's where your heart is, right? He goes on to say this. Your eye is a lamp for your body. A pure eye lets sunshine into your soul. But an evil eye shuts out the light and plunges you into darkness. If the light you think you have is really darkness, how deep that darkness will be. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. Or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It just doesn't work. When I read that scripture and I read that passage, I think about all the physical things that I, I strive for and I have strived for in life. In, in high school it was grades and, and it was sports. And it's like, you know what? Sports is over with, the, the trophies, the certificates, the ring, whatever, you know. It's in a box, in the basement, in the attic. It's got dust on it. It's got flab on it, okay? It's all changed. It's got achy bones now. Well, those were good times and good memories, but you know what? It fades, and titles, oh, to chase after a title. If I could be the director of this and the director of that, but then you get to those positions and those titles and it's like, is this really making me happy or am I just chasing my tail? Does this really matter? My money, my house, those could be taken in the blink of an eye. My family. You know, and I think about this. If not in the blink of an eye, over time, some of those things will fade. Some of those things will burn. Some of those things... Will disappear, And what do I have left? On the last day of my presence on this earth, what do I have that's left? Nothing but my soul. Words on the paper fade, right? We all know what a guarantee is. So you check it out at the Walmart or the Sears or JCPenney or a store, and they say, well, do you want the guarantee? Do you want that uh, extended you know, guarantee put on there, and it's like, "So, what is this extension? What, what I, what's my guarantee, you know? And, but here's the thing: anything written on paper, it's just words on the paper, because there is no guarantee that your treadmill is going to last forever. It won't. There's no guarantee that this is going to be the best stake in Northwest Ohio. There isn't. There is no guarantee that you can hold on to. My life will not last. That's a guarantee. That there will be an end. Eternity in heaven or hell, that's a guarantee. So I ask you this question that, that was posed to me, that has troubled me, but yet inspired me. What is more important than saving souls? What's more important? See, knowing all this, I need to lay up my treasures in heaven. My investments, not in this earth, but in heaven. My focus, my life can only have one master. God or money, things, pleasure. Which one's my God? If my master is Jesus Christ, the son of the one and only true king, God, then my actions clearly demonstrate my allegiance to my decision. If this is what I'm choosing, God, over things, my allegiance, my actions, my growth should be visible. And we've talked about allegiance before. We've talked about, you know, we know what team you cheer for by the jersey you wear. We, we get that. We, we know certain things you like by your choices. In the same way, we know what matters to you by how you're growing spiritually. As a child of God, we have to ask this. Is there truly evidence in my life that I have made God the God of my life? Is there growth taking place in my life right now? What are those marks in my spiritual closet? If I had a spiritual closet, what are those marks showing that, yes, I'm growing, I'm praising God more, I'm praying more, I'm giving more, I'm serving more, that's evident. And I'm not doing those things to make God happy. I'm doing those things because God is filling me with grace and love and mercy. It's my response to him. It's not a, I'm trying to get favor with him. It's not, I'm trying to manipulate God. I'll do these things and he'll do something for me. That doesn't work that way. In the book of Matthew, just prior to the teaching of allegiance to God, Jesus shares and challenges us says, Listen, here's one way you can grow. And I really want to help you with this. It's about praying. It's about praying. Look back with me to verse 5. Same chapter, chapter 6 in the book of Matthew. But we're going to start in verse 5. And let's read this together. And now about prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, pray to the Father secretly. Then your Father, who knows all secrets, will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on and on about as a people, as other religions do. They think their prayers are answered only by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. Because your Father knows exactly what you need before you even ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in Heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth, just as it is in Heaven. Give us our food for today. Forgive us of our sins. And just as we've forgiven those who've sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. And Jesus said this. When you pray. Let me, let me back this up again. It's expected that we pray as Christians. Okay? It's expected that we pray as Christians. He, he didn't say, well, if you pray. This would be a good way. He said, When? In other words, I'm expecting you to pray. I'm, I'm expecting you to pray. This isn't a choice. You will pray. And when, when you pray, he says, here's how you can do it. So, you know, besides a couple, because we tend to pray in a couple moments, before meals and oh-no moments. Like, oh, no. And then we've got to pray about something, right? That's one time. And the other time is, oh, I should pray before I you know, eat this food, right? Beyond those moments, when we pray, here's how we do it. he starts off by saying this. First of all, let me tell you how not to pray. Don't do it like the hypocrites, to be seen. Uh, I'd like to pray right now, and I'd like you all to hear the incredible words that I'm going to use when I pray, because I've been practicing a lot. So we're going to talk about the glorification of the sanctification of the wonderful occasion, But I think I need a vacation, but I couldn't think of any other occasions, but that sounds really spiritual. Okay, when people pray like that, I want to put them on a vacation. Because it's like, why are you trying to pray like that? Just pray, just talk to God. And Jesus said, don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't pray to be seen. Don't pray so it's like, wow, that person is super spiritual. That's why I was praying. I wanted to make sure you saw that out of me. That's not the right reason, not why we should pray. He says, don't babble on and on, just repeating meaningless phrases. In other words, is your prayer repetitious? I mean, do we just pray to get to the next thing? I want to think about this, okay? I'm guilty of this. You get ready to eat supper and you're like, oh, there's the chicken or you know, there's the, the pizza and you're like, I'm gonna pray first, because you know we all know whoever prays first gets to eat first, right? Okay? And if I can just pray, get the prayer out of the way so I can get to that chicken or get to that pizza, I'm just I'm going God is great, God is good, here's my repetitious prayer. My dad, when he prayed, he had a similar prayer at every meal, okay? And I'm not, and again, not, not harping on you if you've got the same prayer you pray all the time, but make sure it doesn't become so repetitious that you don't even think about it. You're just saying it. You don't even know why you're saying it. And it's just, just to get to something else. That's that repetitious prayer we've got to be careful of. Okay? Now, I'm going to pray before I go to bed. I'm going to pray before I go to meeting. And that's another reason why we pray, because, well, I should do this before I do this next thing. I need to get it out of my way. It's my checklist, okay? Be careful that you're praying just to pray to get it out of the way to get to the next thing. When we go on trips, even small ones, and I was very convicted of this. I was writing this sermon this week, and I was thinking, wow, I'm even doing this. I was very convicted of this. So here's the deal: whenever we go on trips and small ones, we get in the van, we start to back out, and Jenny's like, "All right, who's praying?" Because we always pray before we, if it, you know, if it's more than an hour away, we're praying, okay? So we're backing out, and one of the boys starts to pray. Now, do I stop or do I close my eyes when I'm driving? No, you can't close your eyes when you're driving. So I just drive and I listen to that prayer. You pray, son. You pray, Jenny. And I'm sitting there thinking. Why am I driving? I thought about this as I was writing a sermon. Why am I driving? Because i got to get to my next spot. I am a man. Point A to point B is very important. And we must get there at a very decent time. Right, gentlemen? You know what I'm saying? Then I stopped and I was thinking about this. Why can't I just put it in park and sit in the driveway and join in in prayer? What's more important? Prayer. Or me making sure we got a good head start and getting down the road. It's a good thing I got that extra 30 seconds. Because we all know when I get to the light, I'm going to probably sit there an extra 30 seconds plus, right? I was very convicted on that. So my family hears it from me now, as of today. We've taken off to pray somewhere. It'll be in Park, right, Jenny? And we will pray. Here's the question I want to ask you, too, about Prayer. Are you expecting God to show up in a spectacular way when you won't even talk to God in an ordinary way? Think about that. We always want God to show up in a spectacular way, but we won't even talk to Him in an ordinary way. So why would He show up? We're not praying for the praise of man. I'm not praying to impress you. You're not praying to impress anybody else. We're not praying repetitious prayers just to get through something, to get to something else. That is not why we pray. And Jesus said, this is not how you pray. Let me tell you how to pray. I was like, oh, how to pray? But I struggle with praying. I, I wouldn't, you know, and again, if we were to take a self-evaluation, a self-test right now and say, you know, grade yourself, A, B, C, D, E, F, failing, okay? What, what kind of grade would you give yourself? And why would you grade yourself that way? I think a lot of us might grade ourselves harshly because we know we struggle with it. Some of us, we're too busy, right? Man, I've got kids to feed, bills to pay, work to do, deadlines to meet. I'm on the run. When do I have time to pray? I want you to think about something. When sacred opportunities come, opportunities to listen, opportunities to care, opportunities to encourage, opportunities to serve or give or tell others about our faith, to pray we often use that little tactic. I'm too busy right now. I don't have time to serve. I don't have time to give. I don't have time to, 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 to go meet with that person. I don't have time to make another trip to Toledo to the hospital. I got all this stuff going on. We say the words out loud. Sometimes we don't even say them out loud. We just think in our head. But here's the thing. God knows we're busy. Okay? Well, I think we're just, we feel better about telling everybody else that we're busy. But you know what? God knows we're busy. He sees how busy we are right now. He calls us to what? Be still. Some of us, it's a hard time Sunday morning. i got to go to church. i got so much stuff to do on Sunday. God says, would you please be still? I know you're busy, but it's good to worship. No sacred opportunities don't come by chance. He places them carefully in front of us. He knows we're busy. He knows what we're doing. Think about when Jesus called the disciples. When he called um, Simon and Andrew... They weren't sitting on a log saying, I wish we had something to do. And Jesus comes along and says, Hey, follow me. Oh, good. We didn't have anything to do. No, they were fishing. They were fishing. He said, come follow me. And I'm like, all right. They were busy. And when he called James and John, they were mending nets. They were fixing nets, which was important to their occupation. And what did they do? They stopped work to go follow Jesus. And what was... Levi doing, Matthew doing, he was a tax collector. He was collecting taxes. He was at work, and Jesus comes along and says, Follow me. Okay, got a sort of an important job here. I'm busy, but not busy enough to follow you, Jesus. We, we use that busy word a lot. Jesus says, I know you're busy. This is an important time here. Maybe we don't pray because we're not sure why we pray. Think about this. It's almost like we close our eyes and we pray to an open space, right? We speak, lifting our words up into the sky, hoping it goes to God. None of us in here have probably ever seen God. We've not seen God. No, we, we, we get on the phone, talk to somebody about our internet not working. We wait and wait and wait. We're waiting and waiting, or we're in a, maybe a doctor's office waiting for the doctor to show up or somebody to show up. Who's, they seem to be busy all the time, but yet they, they, they come in, and, and but we can see them, and we'll eventually hear that person on the phone. But as we pray and wait on God, we don't see God. He doesn't actually show up into that room, and He doesn't actually audibly talk to us on the phone. So we sort of maybe are confused on how this prayer thing works. So maybe we have doubts about prayer. Maybe we don't pray because in the past God didn't answer your prayers. Maybe you have unanswered prayer. You asked and God did not give it to you. You didn't receive it. You made a request. You got nothing. So why pray? When you feel like you're just going to get ripped off or ignored again. So why pray? Maybe you see prayer as something that only really spiritual people do. Right? Let's face it. Everywhere I go, every family get-together we have, who gets to pray at the meal? Pastor Rex. Because he's a pastor. He's the only one who knows how to do it. Right? I mean, if you ever go to a restaurant, you guys all look at me like, Rex, would you like to pray? Yes, because I know none of you know how to. Don't ask me to pray. You pray, okay? Here's the thing, brothers and sisters, if you're a child of God, you have as much access to the throne as I do, okay? It isn't like because I got a title, I'm closer, okay? It's like, no, you are you studied how to pray, just like you did out of the Bible, Okay, I, there wasn't a lot of prayer classes. I didn't get a degree in prayer at college, okay? And I don't know if you think the food's going to be better. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you right now. Here's the deal, okay? Make it an honor to fight over prayer. It's probably one of my pet peeves. You're in a room with a bunch of leaders, okay? That's, that's the biggest thing. I'm in a room with 70 leaders, 70-plus 70 leaders. Would anybody like to pray? Cricket, cricket, right? Are you kidding me? we got 70 plus leaders in here. Not one of them wants to pray. Why Why is that? Why would you not want to pray? Well, maybe you're a little shy. I don't like praying in groups. I'm afraid I'm going to mess up. Just talking to God. You can do this. You can do this. And maybe we see prayer only as a time when we're in a critical state of things. Like right now, it's like we really need to be praying right now. Or oh, nation, we're voting. We should be praying for our nation. We should have been praying for our nation 241 years ago, okay? And we should be praying every single day for our nation. It's not just when there's a vote. It's a critical time in our world. It's always a critical time. Pray every day. So you take all these excuses. Let's just set them aside because here's the thing. Church, you are no longer infant Christians. You're not baby Christians in here anymore, okay? You are not in a car seat. You're not holding your pacifier and your blankie. You're like the disciples of Jesus Christ. We are all wanting to grow, and we are all wanting to learn. And in the book of Luke, there's another passage that says, Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, they said this, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray as you've taught your disciples. And he said, Well, So when you pray, pray this way. See, when one of the disciples said, Jesus... Lord teach us to pray. None of the other disciples said, no, 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 no. We don't want to we don't want to learn how to pray. We want to learn how to walk on water. Yeah, that's cool. Hey, Jesus, teach us how to multiply the bread and fish and rip them apart and just keep baskets. Twelve baskets, really, Jesus? How did you do that? Teach us to do that. Jesus. Teach us how to raise the dead. Come on, let's go hang out at the cemetery and just start popping people out of the ground. That would be so cool. Come on, Jesus. Think about all those things that we could, you know, we go, Jesus, teach me this. Jesus, teach me that, right? But what did these disciples say? Lord, teach us to what? Pray. Of all the things the disciples could have said, Jesus, teach us, prayer. Prayer is so huge. They could ask for all these things. You know, Pastor Landon so eloquently preached last week the purpose and the power of praising God with the breath that God has given us. He, God purposely, intentionally gives us breath to speak and to praise His name as an incredible message and praises that form of prayer. It's whispering, it's talking, it's shouting out thanksgiving and adoration. Prayer is also not just praise, but it's also confession. God, forgive me for this. It's also supplication. God, I need this. We need this. It's a sharing of our sinfulness, a need of grace. Prayer is admitting that we're not God, and we need the power of God to intervene and step into our lives, to supply us with what we need. And so to pray, here's what we need to do, church. Do it. That's all I'm saying. Nike stole the phrase, okay? We need to just do it. We just need to pray. We don't need a degree or diploma. We need to simply come before Jesus and say this, Jesus, teach me to pray. And Jesus says, i got it right, right here for you. Pray like this. And he gives us a model for, for how to pray when we pray. One theologian said this, by the way, this isn't the Lord's prayer here in Matthew. That's in john 17 this is the disciples prayer because of verse 12 verse 12 says to ask for forgiveness of sins which jesus didn't need to do so he said disciples i want you to pray this prayer and although we maybe we've memorized and we sometimes say it together it's not a prayer just to memorize mechanically say it's a prayer to look at and say god how can i draw near to you our prayer should begin with addressing God. We're praying to a personal God. We're not praying to a force. We're not praying to karma. We're not praying to, you know, an open space. We are praying to the God of this universe, a personal God. It's like saying, Dad, we need to talk to you. We can call him Dad. Yes, did you forget our spiritual birth certificates? John chapter 1, verse 12, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he called and gave the right to be called children of God. That's our birth certificate, right? So, as a child of God, we go to him. This prayer is set up in six petitions, and we'll talk more about this another time, but it's broken into six parts. Church, I want to encourage you this week. I want you to go and look through Matthew chapter 6 and start in verse uh, 9 and read through 13 and say, Jesus, teach me how to pray like this. You're just, first of all, you're going to say, God. You're awesome. You're crazy. You're just going to adore him. May your name be honored. Hallowed be your name is. May your name be respected above all other names. That's what it means to honor his name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We're saying, God, you are the ruler of this universe. You're the king. I'm the humble servant. May you rule in my life and in this world. And until you come back, and may you come back soon and be the ruler over all things. And give us the food we need for today. This is very simple. What needs do we have? To Breathe. Food, right? Pray for your needs. Pray for forgiveness of our sins and forgive those who sin against us. We know in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. God will forgive you. We have to pray and ask God to forgive us of our sins. And then we need to learn to forgive other people. Let us not yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Then we also pray, God, keep me from temptation. I struggle with this. Keep me from temptation. Help me not to yield to these things that I know are wrong. This is how Jesus said to pray. It is a privilege, right? It's for all, not a chosen few. Church, this prayer is for all of us. Simple conversation between God and his children. How are you doing in your prayer life? I'm going to ask you to, to, again, take this prayer, look it over, read it over, develop your prayer time. Take your prayer time and extend it. Worship team, would you come forward? While they're coming forward, I'm going to grab a, actually, uh, let's see here. I'm going to need about a dozen, thank you, dozen students. So if you're a student, I need you to come up here and help me out. You're just going to take some of these papers and make sure every single person in here gets one of these, okay? Just take that and start handing them out. Everybody gets one. Thank you. Split those up. Start handing them out to people and make sure everybody gets some. And, adults, why don't you do me a favor? And, everybody, just raise your hand, and once you get it, you can put your hand down. And that way the students can start looking for anybody that has their hands up. Thank you. So as you see a hand up in the air. Thank you, students. Appreciate that. Great work. Very serious about what we as a church can do to continue growing as a church. Next Sunday, take those, thank you. Next Sunday and uh, the following Sunday, we're going to continue with what it means to be growing as a church. And we're going to have a time where, as a church, a Thanksgiving offering where you can give back to God. More so than just using the blessings box, we're going to have a table up front. Thank you. And on the table up front, we're going to have a time during the service where everybody can come forward and give an offering. And maybe it's not going to be a financial offering. So you can see on here different ways that you can give back to God. Whether it's, you know what, first of all, I just need to give my life to Jesus Christ. Maybe that's what your offering is. And you say, I'm, I'm surrendering and I'm going to bring that forward. Or maybe it's, I'm going to extend, and I just put this example on here, 20 plus minutes of prayer. I'm going to pray more than what I've been praying. Maybe that's what you want to give back to God. Maybe it's a gift above and beyond your normal giving to the ministry of True North. Maybe it's a, a gift to fund to the new church building. Maybe you want to volunteer and serve in the church. You're not doing that now. Maybe, you know what, I'm going to invite somebody to church each week till Christmas. Maybe that's what you want to do, but I want to encourage you. God's blessed us, so we want to bless him back. We want to give him back our Thanksgiving offering. And so on that Sunday, we'll have these in the bulletin, but I wanted to make sure everybody had a copy in their hand now so you could see what we're doing. Because we want to give back to God. We want everybody to participate. For God so loved the world, he did what? He gave, right? We can love and we can give because God first gave and he first loved. So as his children, we're going to give back. We're going to love back last week you heard what it means to praise God that's one way we get back today you heard about praying to God that's another way we get back we pray to him, we have deep conversations with him we have simple conversations with him we have conversation with God we pray to him this is how you pray this is how you pray are you praying church? I believe a praying church is a growing church and I know we're growing I believe we're praying let's keep praying Would you please stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Your name is set apart from all other names. Adonai, Jehovah. The names given to you cannot be taken by anybody else. When we use your name flippantly and and just throw it out there, forgive us, God, because that name is reserved for you alone, not to be used in a disrespectful way. Oh, holy are you, God. Right, true, just. Thank you, God. Your name is so holy. Your kingdom come, God. You are ruler of all humanity. You sit on a throne in heaven. We are your simple subjects. We are your creation. We bow humbly to you. You are king and because you're king help us to obey you and how we follow you. Help us be obedient to your commands as a king who says do this, or do that. We do it not because of fear, we do it because we honor you. May your kingdom come, your will be done. We look forward to the day you return to make all things new. Give us today, God, the food we need, our needs that we face. God, I think of those who are just desperate to breathe, desperate to get out of a hospital bed, looking for food, looking for love. May they find what they need. May we have what we need. Forgive us, God. Give us of our sins. God because you have forgiven us we need to forgive others if you forgive them I know it's sometimes it's hard for us to forgive other people when they, maybe they've hurt us so God work in our hearts to help us forgive others lead us not into temptation God we know as the temptations come and the, Satan is such a big bully and evil one that wants to take us down God you're mighty you're victorious do not let us yield into that temptation deliver us Lord from the evil one Help us to be victorious in all things. God, we pray these things because you are holy and just. We thank you for this time we've had to worship you today, to pray to you. May our prayers be stronger. May we spend more time with you, God. In thy name we pray.